Hello and welcome to episode five of Battle of the Boutiques. My name is Andy Treffenbach. I'm Lena Morgan. And I'm Digum. And if you're new around these parts, partner, uh, Battle of the Boutiques <laughs> takes two Blu-ray 4K boutique label releases and pits them against each other. We take the movies and put them against each other, the special features, even the packaging, because we're super nerds and we hope you are as well. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at DTB Horror, Instagram at Destroy the Brain, and Facebook.com slash Destroy the Brain. Also, join our Discord server at Discord.DestroyTheBrain.com. Lena is the one that picked this out, and we have Severn versus Screen Factory, but I'll let her reveal the titles. All right, let's take it away. It's summertime. It's hot out. It's, uh, it's a time when people do things. They go places and such. Like you know, you listen to podcasts, but where yeah. do you do it on the beach? That's where you. That's where you. That's where you listen to your podcast for sure. The beach. That's a podcast place. So what we decided we'd do is we'd pick, well, two Jaws ripoff movies because that's what I think of when I think of going on the beach. I just hear that sound that didn't. That that sound that lets people know that anyone who says that all John Williams soundtracks sound the same are wrong. <laughs> Incorrect. Um. We'll get into some of the details as to why I um, I picked these two in particular and what makes uh, Jaws ripoff movies kind of interesting. But uh, the movies in question are uh, Severin's release, which is for a movie called Grizzly, which came out in 1976, and uh, a Shot Factory release, the 4K of Alligator, which came out in 1980. Um I guess the place to start would be just to kind of introduce the idea of animals attack, right? I think what's sort of interesting about Jaws and why it is that there are so many movies that rip it off is pretty simple, which is that while the animals attack genre certainly predates, um, obviously the first thing most people would think of is the birds. Uh, and But, you know, there's a lot of also schlocky versions of that. I think of, like, Night of the Lepus. That's also a Shot Factory release uh, where uh, Bones from Star Trek gets attacked by giant rabbits. But there's a bunch <laughs> of them that all, that all kind of pre- predate 1975 and, and Jaws. But I would compare Jaws to Night of the Living Dead in a way, which is to say that there are lots of zombie movies pre-Night of the Living Dead, but once... Night of the Living Dead comes out, you have a blueprint that basically everybody follows from that point on. And Jaws is very much the same way. There are a lot of animals attack movies that predate Jaws, but Jaws, which was the first major summer blockbuster film, uh, was so popular and so well executed that the formula of Jaws became basically the formula for most animal attack movies henceforth. And certainly I think is the case for um, grizzly, and I think is somewhat the case for alligator, but we'll get into that more as we go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with Jaws being such the monumental blockbuster. Everybody needed to cash in. Yeah, a lot of money to be made, and uh, and yeah, like I just I think Night of the Living Dead is the comparison, right? Like there was stuff of that genre prior. But once people knew what the blueprint was, the thing that definitely worked, they were like, great, well, we can always go to the well and yeah. make a little cash money. Um, so we'll start with the Grizz, Big Grizzly, <laughs> because, grizz. uh, 
Big Grizz. Big Big, big Grizz. So Grizz they call came out Grizz. And, So the deal is, I don't know if it's actually the very first, but it was and has in the past been billed as being sort of the very first of the Jaws ripoff movies, even though it is not set on the beach and does not feature a shark, but instead is set in uh, a park and is a uh, a bear. The bear is the titular animal, the titular grizzly. Um, by the way, fun fact, um, somebody else did a, a, another bear movie right after this and called it a much better title, much more obvious, Claws. Yeah, that's so much better. Duh. <laughs> duh. But Grizzly predates it really did come out so they really capitalized very quickly afterwards and what i would want to impress upon people about grizzly and i think you'll see this a lot as you look at um the earlier um jaws knockoff movies is that they sort of pull from two places yes they use the formula of jaws but the other thing that they pull from a lot i have found of what they have more of a vibe of it's sort of the 1970s disaster movies. Your, yeah. your cast of thousands, um, the sort of the tone of the characters, the kind of music that gets used, to me is much more in step with something like Airport or Towering Inferno or Poseidon Adventure. Um, and certainly as we get into some of the movies in, in question um, and other movies of this type, you'll even see that some of the actors from those films will kind of crop up. So Grizzly, to me, always felt just as much uh, like a Jaws movie as it did feel like uh, an airport movie. And those movies, I think you can say, led to Jaws in general, right? Because they all were also extremely successful at the box office, and they all also kind of deal with this idea of man versus man while dealing with man versus nature, right? It's both those things happening at once. Like, I think... Jaws, yes, is influenced by something like the birds, but also the other thing that gets you to Jaws is airport and Poseidon Adventure, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And in a way, the the grizzly, he's he, the cover even has a bit of a he's like a towering inferno of a bear. Yeah, um, it's a big. So boy. that the, yeah, so this movie, Grizzly, Grizzly, is I talked a lot. <laughs> it's you know the reason why I I, I gave so much setup. What These two know. Yeah. <laughs> because there's not really a lot to talk about. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Not. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This, is, this is, the thing is that this, the plot is this the thinnest thin. Um, there's a bear. <laughs> and <laughs> that is terrorizing <laughs> yeah. a local forest. Yeah. And it's up to the uh, I mean, forest people are like, Yeah. And at first people are like, we can't talk about this bear. It's park time. Yeah. And then, and then people freak the fuck out and they're like, we got to get this bear. <laughs> I was and, waiting for uh, like I, I was waiting for that mayor to kind of give the other mayor speech from Jaws. Like, oh yeah, you guys yeah. yell bear. <laughs> What's well, funny because he's not pay. even a mayor; he's like a park. Oh yeah, director. He's like the yeah, <laughs> yeah. park director. The park director. Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, and that, and then you know, so basically the idea is that you've got sort of the 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 main guy, the guy who is like the sheriff of Parkville, Christopher George. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's. He really wants to do something about it, and he calls upon two other guys for help, which is, again, straight out of the Jaws playbook. You basically have three dudes versus whatever the, the beast in question is. It's a bear, uh, and they have to contend with 
people being idiots as they try and solve, which should <laughs> yeah. be a pretty simple problem to, to yeah. crack. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing to know about Grizzly is that it's an envi- like like so many seventies movies, it's a bit of an environmental piece. Yeah, for sure, totally, for sure. Yeah, like they really want you to know that the forest matters, man. And when man impedes on on the forest, who knows? Who I mean, anything could happen? It's a giant with, bear um, could 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 grapple with a water tower <laughs> and knock someone right off of it. Girdler's like follow up uh, day. Of the animals also has that environmental thing going on where it's like, oh, like. We we've eroded the ozone layer and the animals are going nuts to to protect nature. Like it's 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 it has a very similar theme in that. Very yeah. much so, and we'll get into um, Day of the Animals. I think as as time kind of goes yeah. on. Yeah, I I do think they are two companion pieces of each other. To be quite honest, it was weird just watching Grizzly. I'm like, man, I kind of want to follow it up. Even <laughs> though I will say, out of the two. I think Grizzly is the better movie. Oh, by far. <laughs> but but you do know. get you get Leslie Nielsen in a bear suit. Leslie Nielsen is in Day of the Animals. Yeah. Shirtless. That's a fact. Shirtless. Yeah. Shirtless. Repeatedly Leslie saying Nielsen. the word kimosabi. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Wild <laughs> shit, man. Woo. If y'all play drinking games, deeply, that's deeply the racist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time Leslie Nielsen does something racist, you will be absolutely <laughs> bombed out of your mind in about two minutes flat. Nice. So, was this anybody's first time watch watching the? It was my. It was my first time watching it. It was, it was my. my I'd never time. seen it before. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I had seen it before because, believe it or not, and this is probably something we'll get into with the presentation part, but this is the third Blu-ray release of Grizzly. Unlike the other film we'll be talking about. Yeah, which (laughs) has never had one. Right, right, which is a damn shame um, in more ways than one. But anyway, uh, yeah, no, Grizzly is definitely a paint-by-numbers sort of film, but I I think the things that do elevate it from being a complete disaster, because, I mean, honestly, simply put, Grizzly's kind of running on fumes. Oh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, definitely. His story is very paper-thin. It's like, well, we don't need to have a big story. It's a bear attacking people. That's it. But what elevates it, I think, is Christopher George, who is not, you know, I mean, depending who you talk to, is either a bad actor in this or a a good actor. Uh, Or maybe a mix of both. I particularly like Christopher George as an actor. And I don't know. I I I think this is one of his best performances, in my opinion, besides like maybe like City of the Living Dead or or something like that. You know, like I think this is really solid. (laughs) Um, Andrew Prine is also in this, who is an actor I always enjoy seeing, and uh, Richard Jekyll, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, but <laughs> it's it's funny, uh, the, the quote on the back of the Blu-ray from Mondo Digital is a bloody sexy immortal trash classic. Like, what's sexy about this movie? I don't really remember. Unless they're talking about Christopher George. I don't know. There you go. Maybe they're they're talking about Joan McCall. I don't know. I'll tell you. Like that's to me. That was the thing that really stuck out. Is that um, part of the the setup is that um, Christopher George, um, he's got like we said, we sort of have this this pseudo um, mayor figure, the park supervisor, played by Joe Dors- Dory uh, or Dorsey. There you go. I can I can read. Um, <laughs> but his daughter is also in this too, or what, or niece or whatever the deal yeah. is. Uh, Joe McCall who plays Allison Corwin, 
And they really kind of set up this pairing between those two and that Allison is going to be a really big part of the story. Yeah. And she is not. Mm-mm. She just kind of bounces out. And it's very like that's always when I watch the movie and I watched it, I think, twice to sort of prep for this is that it really it kind of makes me think of, uh, say, something like Terminal Island, where I'm like, did something what happened here? Like Terminal yeah. Island, by the way, is a movie where quite literally the intended protagonist had a problem and had to leave the movie. And so they switch protagonists halfway through the film. Yeah. And it's and obvious. Grizzly when you almost it. feels like that. Yeah. yeah. Like Grizzly's got the same vibe, right? Like kind of feels like she yeah. should be one of the main characters and then she just kind of bounces and it becomes about th- three dudes in the park communing yeah. with nature and also a bear. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I still think Grizzly, even though the the plot and storyline is pretty paper thin, it's also very obvious that it's ripping or aping off of Jaws because of the characters. You have basically a Hoop character, you have a Quint character, kind of like a Quint Light, I guess would be a better yeah. way to say it, but... He, like, lives in the woods dressed as animals. Right. (laughs) (laughs) As you do. As you do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're living out in the woods, come on, you've already probably lost it. I mean, who hasn't been there (laughs) in the woods dressed like an animal? And, I mean, here's what I will say. The animal attack scenes are pretty well done, I think, for the most part. That's the, the, to me, the stuff that stands out is the gore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's it's the gore gore girls of it all. Like I think that's like even though it's very silly. Like you see these scenes where it's like clearly somebody's wearing like a a bear mitten. Yes, goes like, yeah. <laughs> but then the, the 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 blood and such, the blood and such. Well, no. it's blood yeah, and, and there, such. There's great stuff. There's a lot yeah. of great stuff in this movie, and I think you know there. There's a reason people have talked about it for for years on end. Is that it's it's one of those movies that either ha- people had nostalgia for, whether they saw it at a grindhouse or a drive-in. Which I mean, obviously, this is like the perfect ideal drive-in movie, right? Because yeah, it, it totally. can piggyback off a. Of, they could show Jaws and Grizzly, and like, did you yeah. have enough of the water? How about the trees? Or something <laughs> yeah. stupid. I don't know. Uh, I don't work in advertising. I apologize. But, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think this is a lot of fun. It's a fun movie. It's, uh, it, you know, if you know anything about William Girdler, uh, he's a director that I I like, but I'm not over the moon for because he's, you know, he's just kind of there. Uh, he can direct if he wants to, but for the most part, most of the sequences, like, I think most of the strengths of William Girdler films come from his actors as opposed to him. Yeah. Um, but I will say this is probably one of his better films, for sure. One of the uh, taglines of the film was the most dangerous Jaws on land. So yeah. so, so you, were, you weren't far <laughs> off. Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing that struck me watching this was uh, I was pretty invested in it for about 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's really when it starts to lose what it's doing. Like, and and I was honestly, it was very similar to uh, Night of the Demon. Real, I was getting the same vibes from it. Really. Oh wow. Okay. But but like for the first that first portion, because like the 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 gore and violence is very similar. Where it's just you know he's cutting an, an arm off and it flies <laughs> off the right. camera. You know, like 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 stuff like that. But then really at forty five. At the 45 minute mark, it starts to turn into 
people walking around the woods for a long time to like folk music to instrumental folk music and i'm like what what is going on like like like, like why are we doing this right now it's like, called I, I, like, yeah. filler <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 like, it, listen, they were really shooting the rodeo yeah you're not yeah. you're not the wicker man you can't get away with this shit <laughs> yeah. like all the bears are bonnie yeah <laughs> uh, ooh. but yeah i nailed yeah. it um <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I feel like we'll probably get into this more as we get into the the special features of the discs and such. But um, William Girdler as a director is not so much like it's not about the quality of his work so much as it is the quantity of his work. Yeah, that's that's sort of the big thing about him. Like spoiler alert, he he died in like a helicopter accident. But prior to that happening, he was making a lot of movies very quickly. Right, like that was a guy that could work to budget and work to deadline and then immediately jump to the project after that and the yeah. one after that and the one after that. That's sort of the thing to know about him. Like, he's a serviceable director, but he's the kind of, you know, it's like, um, depending on like what kind of media you're really into, everybody's got somebody like that, right? Like, everyone, every you know, I always think of, like, for comics, it's like Scott Lobdell, right? Yeah. The guy always gets <laughs> yeah. because cause he, Not because he's example. good at what he does. He's not a great comic book writer, but, he like, he writes a deadline. Um, yeah. I talk shit about Scott Lobdell knowing that he did Happy Death Day, a movie that most people like. Um, anywho, yeah, Grizzly. He's, he's kind of what we would call almost, um, honestly, spoiler, both of these directors I would both kind of call jobbers. In the term, the yeah. way they they just they were just out there directing films and getting them done on time, and that was their goal, right? Like like that was it. And and there could be like a, a negative connotation to that descriptor, but like there's also like a positive side to it, where you know, is this movie bad? No. Is it great? Also no. But like it's fine. It's like a serviceable movie, and that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to deliver a serviceable film on time on budget and you know yeah that's, he was a working that's man's commendable yeah, yeah exactly yeah you know he's yeah. just All like right, so I'll, I'll take the gig i'll deliver you a product on time it will be a product that you can market by yeah. me hitting all these bullet points that i know need to be in the trailer to sell it to piggyback off of jaws and, and yeah this whole because research. they had basically like less than a year production time from yeah. jaws basically to to like go like we need to make it we need to make a, a jaws like movie now like you right. know like <laughs> right we need it out right now yeah. I, I don't know what kind of voice yes. that was anyway <laughs> it, yeah i mean i assume that you were doing an impeccable impersonation of edward l montero who oh, you yeah. end up talking about at some point in this episode but before we start getting into the real weeds of it, um, other than to say, uh, I think Grizzly goes for it. It definitely does. It's not afraid to to kill women and children. Oh um, yeah, I, I, and that's certainly a thing. And we'll get into that also with Alligator. I, I believe. Yes. Oh yeah. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I think we've kind of said what we need to say about the the plot and characters. Unless, if you have any, speak now for it. Hold your peace. I want to do the the plot of Alligator before we start getting into the weeds of everything. Yeah, it's just very thin. You know, there's not a lot going on. It's it's an enjoyable sit, but besides that, there's not a lot to say about the actual nuts and bolts of the of the plot of the film. Yeah, yeah. Grizzly's pretty simple. Now, 1980s alligator directed alligator. by Lois Teague, star. Uh, let's see, uh, written by John Sayles, 
and yeah. uh, and and uh, Bob Forster is your star. Fuck yeah! This one is now the <laughs> thing to really. I think that you need to know going into it is that it coming out in 1980 is a, is significant in the sense that you've now had about four years worth of people just doing jobber jobs of making Jaws ripoff movies. So I think by the time you get to Alligator, you've sort of gotten the sense of what's going to make money and what isn't and where, when it's worth it and when it isn't. And I think that Alligator is just a different animal. It's not only that it's been a certain amount of time, but it's also just, frankly, the difference between 1976 and 1980 is worlds apart. Yeah, different planet and here we have a movie that forgoes nature as a setting beyond the animal itself and i think something that really speaks to the 1980s-ness of it all is that it embraces a much more urban concept right like let's do this in la right let's do this in a city and a shitty city no doubt fucking los angeles (laughs) (laughs) well garbage doesn't it take place in missouri uh, yeah, it takes place in Chicago, Illinois. It does take actually. place in Missouri. Yeah, <laughs> is that actually true? That's where it's shot. It takes, it, it takes place in Illinois. It's shot in L.A. All yeah. all, all oh. the locations are L.A. Even the but sign the that says vehicles. "Welcome to Missouri." Well, there, yeah. there's the police a couple vehicles of, have Missouri plates. Yeah, they have Missouri. I want to be plates. really clear that it doesn't matter what they say. <laughs> yeah. At no point is that place any place but LA. Yeah. And like, they, it's, well, so, I, I, it's so self evidently LA. Right. Yeah, Especially yeah, yeah. the canal systems, right? I mean, obviously. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, it's it's supposed to take place in Chicago. Uh they mentioned St. Louis a couple of times. Of course I have because to Because he used that. to Robert Forster's character used to be in St. Louis, right? Yes, like he, was he a, used to he work in St. Louis, thing. and then he yeah. left that department slash state. Yeah. yeah. So. But so that uh, I don't do this again. Do you want to, Andy? Do you want to give the the blurb what what the pitch for Alligator is? the The best thing about Alligator, and I guess I mean this is part of the plot, is that it uses the whole urban legend of flushing. A baby alligator down the oh toilet. yeah what happens and i think right there just and that's like within the first you know 10 minutes is that whole setup it's even less than that i think but in that whole setup you're already there and it's kind of brilliant in a way because when you think about it if you think about the previous like quote-unquote creature features you know from jaws onward right the animals attack sort of thing Nobody could explore the city. It was always like, oh, they're by the beach. Oh, they're by the forest. Or they're, you know, some somewhere else other than your home and your hometown. And there's really no way you can escape that because home is the most safest place. So they take the old urban legend of flushing the alligator down the toilet. Then it just grows and, you know, lives in the sewer. And, of course, it's got to eat. So... That's basically the whole plot of the movie, but again, much like oh, Grit- there is there is there's one more, more thing that's there's very more. important about yeah. this, which is that there's there's animal testing happening. Yeah, and okay. it's not just it's not just anything that the alligator's eating. It's right. eating uh, animals with like growth hormone in them or something. Yeah, right. And as and as a result, he gets a real big. Yeah, <laughs> I always forget what is it, a thirty six feet long. 
uh, weighs 2,000 pounds. That's in the tagline. Uh, it lives yeah. 50 feet beneath the city. It's 36 <laughs> feet long. It weighs 2,000 pounds. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and it's about to break out. Yep, that's alligator, baby. <laughs> Dude, this I, I, I absolutely love and adore this movie. But much like Grizzly, I, I you know, th- there is stronger writing here. There is stronger direction in, in Alligator versus Grizzly, I think. Um, but Robert Forrester, as the detective, I think also <sighs> elevates the film. Oh, um, 100%. He is, you know, he is a perfect everyday Joe. That that's essentially who Robert Forrester is, and I love that he's always had like these waves of popularity. And when Jackie Brown came out, like that's kind of how I learned about Robert Forrester. Yeah. Um, and I started looking th- back through his catalog, and I'm like, oh man, this dude's like made a whole bunch of exploitation films and like stuff like that. I, I need to check this yeah. out. And I remember seeing Alligator on VHS and I thought it was cool but I'll tell you and we'll get into the presentation part of it but seeing it this time blew me even more away I was it yeah. was almost like seeing a brand new movie absolutely but yeah so Slade Laboratories they're the ones that are dumping the growth hormones essentially in in uh in the sewer which causes this alligator to mutate which alligator two the mutation yeah oh boy oh boy oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, uh, we'll really we'll, re- we'll really go into that alligator two we won't really go into it too but much. yeah of course to say, it, although that is less good <laughs> by a lot right so of course the alligator's got to eat so it pops up every now and then and uh, feeds on dead animals and and keeps growing and now twelve years after it got flushed on the toilet it's it's uh, ready to come upgrade its no. meals with us. Let's let's so, note that it got flushed on the toilet because um, it somehow escaped wherever it was, <laughs> and 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 laid alligator droppings in the the uh, her dad's closet somehow. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the 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 way. Are we it talking got. about Robin Riker's character right now, Maris Kendall? Yes. Or are we talking yeah. about somebody? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's another that's another factor here that I think makes for a big difference between Alligator and Grizzly, which is that. Again, you have a sort of um, woman who plays opposite of Robert Forster, and unlike Grizzly, uh, she is actually a consistent present presence in the film. Yeah, yeah. and actually, like, like she has a pur- a purpose. She's she's a herpetologist, and she has an interest in lizards and such, and so like she can actually weigh in and actually help. And she's she's also like the Scully for a while, right? Like she's skeptical. Yeah. But then she comes around. She's like, "Oh shit, aliens are real!" And by aliens, I mean this alligator, this giant ass alligator. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think when look, I want to keep some stuff in the dark about Alligator because I think it's a great film to first discover, and especially now we're spoiled with the 4K release. Um, I you owe it to yourself if you've always been interested in about this movie, or maybe you've never heard of it. Uh, I highly recommend it, but yeah, I, uh, I'm super happy. This is finally on home video because, yeah. uh-huh. uh, again, and this is probably stuff we'll touch upon on, on the presentation. The last time this had a release was DVD, which is crazy, but yeah, those yeah. are the two movies. Is there anything else we want to talk about either? Yeah, I think so. There, so there's two, Can, there are two things I want to say about alligator real quick and, and dig if you want to dive into yeah, it too. I definitely I have think things def- to say. 
Yeah, I think we should talk about the gore once again oh, because yes. that's another thing that's really good. Yeah. I have one criticism, and it's a uh, it's one that only I and this podcast would give uh, for this film, and it is that um, they sort of introduce this idea that like yes, um, there's a company they are getting animals and 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 experimenting on them, and they need to get them by a certain way mm-hmm. and the way that they come through is by this character Luke Gutchell played by Sidney Lassick and I he gives a great performance I'm not trying to say like I, I like him but boy it really is like that Jew is just trying to make some money and then the <laughs> world ends oh right God. like it's really like I don't. Yeah, it is it's a low key anti-Semitic, but like you can't like it's there and it's, you know I watched it and I was like ah, it doesn't age very time. well it is like my 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 spouse also has a, a podcast where um, they do apocalyptic fiction, and every time they're doing a new book, I'm like, "Did you get to the anti-Semitism yet?" <laughs> they're like, yeah. "How did you know? You don't even read." And I'm like, "I because it's inevitable in almost all works of fiction. I don't know what to tell you. My odds are pretty good if I say that that I'll be right." Yeah. Um, and alligator, it just. It just kind of squeezes in there, and um, you know, if you're a Jew that gets annoyed about those things, as I am, um, it's a little frustrating. But like, it's not the I didn't it didn't make it so I couldn't enjoy the movie, but it did stick right. out where I was like, God damn it, really, man? All right, fine. The nebbishy little Jew is to blame. I get it. I got it. All right. Anyway, let's talk about the stuff that Dig wants to talk about because I bet it's the gore and a, and a couple other things. Well, the gore is great. Like the 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 standout scenes, like like Andy's Andy said. This is a movie to discover and enjoy, but there's there's a scene on a street with the alligator when where he uh, <laughs> appears that is phenomenal. There's a scene in a pool that is absolutely That's spectacular. The That's the one. The, of the pool movie. scene is the best part of the, the whole film, as great. far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, yeah. And I'm as and the other thing I wanted to say was okay. I don't want you to react to this right away. I want you to let this sit for a second and think about this. Okay. <laughs> I don't want your knee jerk. I want you to. I want you to to, to consider this. Okay. Alligator is better than Jaws. <laughs> and now I'm saying you, that as a person. Of, of wh- I'm saying that as a person that is. I'm not that thrilled with Jaws. I think it's fine. But I watch this and I'm like, this is it. Like this is this is the movie. Like. <laughs> Look, I do love Jaws. I'm not as fanatical as a lot of people are about it, but I really do love it. And also, yeah. you know, it's just kind of tied into 80s pop culture, right? Because it's one of the first kind of huge box office blockbusters. Number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Number two, like everybody saw it. Everybody, the fact that John Williams's score is two notes and everybody knows it and you've never seen it. Like, there are kids that will do that in the pool. Totally, yeah. Pretty iconic. Then again, Alligator had a board game, a tabletop board game. So who knows? You know, (laughs) and because for me, Robert Forrester is such a more compelling lead than Roy Scheider could ever hope to be. I will agree with that. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I'll agree with that. (laughs) I mean, I like... He's more charismatic, but that's different. I like Roy Scheider. Well, I like Roy Scheider, but my favorite characters of Jaws are Quint and Hoop. Quint. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, they're they're the complete opposites. So, but we're not talking about Jaws. We're talking about... (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, I just... just, 
my I, my answer is I don't agree. To me, what <laughs> what you're saying is I, like saying that Alligator is better than Jaws. To me, is like saying Predator Two is better than Predator. And you could make that argument. I certainly think that Predator 2 does not get as much love as it deserves. But would I say it's better than the original Predator? No, no. I would not. No. Uh, and that's to me like... <laughs> well, that's, well that's actually, sort of it would be like me today. saying that Robo War is better than Predator, which is also something I agree with. Oh, Jesus. Well, <laughs> the line's been drawn. Everybody knows who they <laughs> so side that, with. That's, that's a very similar comparison. <laughs> Digum, do you want to give everybody out your 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 telephone number <laughs> yeah, and your yeah. home address so that they could so they could take this up with you I mean, personally? First, watch Robo War, <laughs> and then second, thank me later. No, I I mean Robo War is great, but you can't you can't. I mean Predator is so fucking good. Anyway, all right, yes, remember anyway, that time right, we, so feel like we talked about other films. movies? <laughs> yeah, here we go. Let's 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 talk about the transfers and packaging. Right, let's get extras. into the presentation of these films. We'll start with the image quality and transfer. Uh, yeah, just the transfer yeah. and everything. So with Grizzly, we get a two key scan from the inner negative, um, which you know is not your best source. We've kind of talked about that before, um, but it is better than the previous two Blu-rays, I believe, as well. Um, and then, oh no doubt. This is this looks solid. It's not fantastic, and it's sort of it, I wouldn't call it consistent. And I'm really curious. But, the, when it, but it looks good. It looks real good. I'll, I'll get into some of the visual. Actually, I might as well jump in. So this is the first time, and I've seen one of the other Grizzly releases because it was put out twice on Blu-ray, both by Code Red slash Scorpion. One was kind of just like, oh, we have an HD transfer. Put it out, and then. I want to say they advertised a 2K scan of Grizzly with the second release. I didn't see that one. I just saw that first Blu-ray release. And one thing I noticed with this, I almost thought I was dealing with a technical error. And I don't know if you guys ran into the same situation. But I was, why does this look so jittery? And I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh shit, this was shot this way. It's undercranked. And I think a lot of that is it's trying to, and I don't think Girdler pulls it off, but I think it's there so they can kind of like speed everything up. And there's, there's a motion with, with the film that's kind of sped up a little bit. Like, Hey, we know this could be all filler, but we're speeding it up. I don't know what the true intention was because sometimes you under crank it, especially for high like action scenes when there's a lot of movement it just looks more intense because you're capturing like every other second or something like that. So um, it's, it's kind of like high shutter speed. So it looks cooler. You know, that's why you shoot in a higher shutter speed for sports and stuff like that. But seeing it on this, I'm like, I literally thought there was a technical error. There's not. <laughs> Did you guys have the same thing or am I just on my own? I'm honest, I didn't notice it at all. You didn't notice it at all? Okay. Uh, and, and I feel like... You know, with the amount of um, Hong Kong stuff I watch, I, I'm pretty adept into the undercranking or overcranking. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like both both directions. Um, but I can't say that I really noticed it. Yeah, um, it, it's. I think also it's, wasn't really looking for it. I was kind of stoned really stone when I watched this. Night, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's especially apparent in the night scenes because it's so dark. Okay. And yeah. obviously, if you're undercranking it, you're again changing the shutter speed in a weird way. 
So yeah. you kind of need a little more light. So like um, the the one shot that I always remember from Grizzly is uh, the side pan shot when there's a whole group of people. It it always reminds me of the opening of Jaws. It's just people kind of partying around a bonfire, and then it moves into the uh, RV, and that's when we later get an attack. But, um, or not the RV, the tent with the couple who are like yeah. starting to get frisky. Anyway, that's when I really noticed it. I'm like, oh, fuck. Is there a problem? There's not. So uh, if nobody else noticed it, I noticed it. It's on record in case somebody's yeah, like, to look I'm, at I'm it. I'm trying again, to think then. if I. I think I might have noticed a little something. I can't tell if I'm inventing a memory or not. Here's what I can say. Personally, I neither under or over crank it. So I crank it exactly the right <laughs> Franco, Franco, baby. <laughs> yeah, crank it to Franco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. No, I also kind of wonder if um, if having a, my 4K player and, and the TV I'm using, I wonder if, like, Somewhere in there was a little bit of the old cheat. Yeah. Like yeah. maybe some kind of algorithm was happening. It was like overcorrecting. One of those mechanisms that might have, yeah, might have over overcranked oh. the undercrank so that like the implosion and the explosion happen at the same time, cancel <laughs> each other out. Um, don't look into that. That's definitely how science works. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I don't, maybe. I, I, I'll take your word on it. Right. I think otherwise, like, I think this is this is put it this way about as good as Grizzly's ever gonna look. I agree. Would you agree with that? Yeah, as a yeah, sentiment? yeah. Because okay. I I don't know if if the there's an elements issue with getting a better source. I would assume that's the case. I didn't listen to the commentary or whatever to know whether whether or not that's the case. But with the way that I know that David Gregory's got to you know he is looking for the best source possible. So I would assume this is probably the the best that you could possibly get. Yeah, no, I'm not questioning the presentation or the transfer at all. Uh, I'm trying. I thought to the grain structure was good. Yeah, and just, look, so just like looking. But that's at the it. thing. That's why I'm trying to remember if this was shot in 16. No, this was shot in uh, Super 35. Oh, um, so it is kind of a bummer that they didn't get that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's. I mean, it could look a lot better. But yeah, I, I, I can't help but wonder if, if simply put. That like the original camera negative is not I, out there. I don't think it's it is, it's probably it's damaged. just in shit condition. I believe it was damaged. Yeah. I I could be wrong, but I I think this is one of those movies that they found the negative and it was just completely unusable. So they yeah, yeah. The source. vinegar syndrome likely had set in. I was gonna try to do the thing anyway. <laughs> um, so so bringing it over um, to alligator, uh, like you mentioned, Andy. This has not had a Blu-ray release proper, and so we just skipped right over to 4K. It's it's like the alley gatekeeping just kind of oh. came to to an end. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> uh, and we got this, and we got this 4K release from Shout Factor, Shout Factory, excuse me. Um, who I, in my opinion, and Digim and I, I think differ we on this. We disagree on this. Yeah, we disagree. I think they've had a great year. I think that they've had a lot of really great 4K stuff in 2022, and I think Alligator is is even in that crop one of the best. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that. I just don't agree that they're that much better than everybody else. Like it's it's you know everybody's. What's interesting is it seems everybody's flubbing up 4K discs right now, like really hard. Um, there's constant replacement programs happening particularly with 4k and it seems like everybody's having an issue like this luckily is one that hasn't had a problem right like their craft disc and i think there's like one other one that's like has a little bit of bitrate issues but um 
this one is like at least perfect. Like like no replacements needed, you know. Um, none of that. None of that. Stuff yeah, there's, that going on you here. don't have a lot of QC problems um, with. I mean, there's QC problems across the board. Even Arrow videos having QC issues. So, I think four K is just too new of a format. To be quite honest with you, um, and I think uh, because there's not a lot of people on the boutique level creating these 4Ks, uh, you know, two years ago, it's hard. It's hard to say, okay, we need to plan for a 4K release. We need to have a 4K transfer, all this other stuff. And In- and they're still learning the authoring and encoding. It's yeah. I think it's just going to take some yeah. time. I think in the middle of COVID was a really rough time to choose to really start switching over like this. And also the fact that, you know, um, in particular, someplace like Criterion, who had never done it before, decided now was the time. Yeah. Usually when people are talking about 4K authoring issues and Destroy stuff like your that. disc. Record a video of you destroying your disc to get a replacement. <laughs> yeah, the, that's the Citizen Kane issue. But yeah, I mean, like, this is a thing that really, I would say 2021 felt absolutely notorious. And I hope that we never have a year like that again because it was really rough. But 2022, there's still been some, you brought up Arrow, Dig, and and I'm assuming you mean uh, 12 Monkeys. I know that had a problem. I don't have, I don't, I don't Henry, Henry Portrait of Serial Killer. Henry has an issue. Henry had an issue Um, too. Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko had an issue. Yeah. 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 Well, Arrow, I mean, like, yeah. We'll get into this another time, but Arrow's problem is that. uh, The Criterion Hard Day's Night. Like, that's a massive flop. I don't know how that even happened. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I would say you know you'll you'll look and see, but what the, the true the true truth is that like there's just yeah, I mean not a lot of um, people have gotten perfectly adept at it yet. My beef with Arrow, and I'm sure this will come up again, is that um, they have a tendency to put everything on a 4K disc, and the truth is, if you're doing a 4K release, the smart thing to do is to put just the movie and maybe a commentary and nothing else on the 4K and then have a Blu-ray with all the supplementals. Yep. That's the best bet that you can have. That's the best shot that you're going to have for making 4K look the way that it's supposed to. Um, and Arrow does not really do that. But I'll tell you, you know who does? Shot Factory. Which is, yeah. for the most part, I think what they did with this release. I think like there's not really a lot on that first disc it's the the new scan just the film, and the auto yeah. commentary and that's it and everything yeah. else is on the the blue and, and there's two blu-rays in fact on this one which is the, yeah. the tv version and the and the feature and length look as version. somebody who hasn't still made the jump to 4k i am always appreciative <laughs> when a company will put out the 4k and companion blu-ray so you can get the movie on Blu-ray as well. Yeah. So yeah, so I think that like this 4K from the original camera negative on a disc that just has the movie and a commentary track. Yeah, uh, it was authored correctly. Yeah, I don't think we've encountered any issues. So um, I believe this has got a. Does this have a Dolby Dig? Uh, yeah, Dolby I think it's got a d- it Dolby. Does. Atmos, yeah, yeah, yeah. It? yeah, yeah, yeah. Or no. Yeah. Not Atmos, oh, well, just no, Dolby Dolby Vision. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dolby. So it's got the Dolby Vision, and again, like the nice thing about a Dolby Vision is that it does. If you don't have the most perfect television in the world, that's great at at giving you the truest colors. Uh, the Dolby Vision is kind of like a thing that rolls in, is like, let me fix that for you. 
Um, and so you get the, 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 the darker blacks without sort of losing the, the image quality with things getting some kind of crush or just having a hard time seeing some of the other stuff on the scene. And uh, there's certainly some darker scenes in Alligator, and I feel yes. like the Dolby Vision serves those scenes extremely yeah. well. And that's actually kind of why I was excited that this was making that jump to 4K and it wasn't just a normal Blu-ray release like the sequel is that I was like, you know, if any movie could benefit from Alligator is 4K, like that, that (laughs) format is going to be able to help that movie because it's so dark in so many scenes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing to to, to remind people is that they did genuinely do a great job. And the reason that we know that's true is because literally not not so long ago, we we covered the 4K release of Dead and Buried. Yeah. And the dark scenes in that were still way too dark. Yeah. Um, That's also that was also Dave Shot for Night, which really kind of. Well, and it was also. That was also an interpositive, I believe. Yes. Oh, right. yeah, as well. yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So Alligator is a 4K scan from the original negative. So Which I was gonna say makes it a little unfair in comparison to the Grizzly scan because you know we're working we're working uh you know two of us watched a, a 4K disc with a 4K scan of the original negative. Right, right. That's compared to truest. a 2K scan of of uh you know of a, a inner negative. It's you know, that's but I think the thing to say in the end is that Severin did a very good job with the Grizzly release. They did the best that I think one can do with the materials available. Yeah. It is just that, like, nobody did anything wrong. It's just that Shout Factory happened to have something right. better to, with which to work. Yeah, That's it. Totally. Yep. They had a better source, and it was a higher resolution. So packaging. I think we can kind of, like, cruise through this relatively quickly. Both of these have slips, which is a thing that everybody loves. Yeah, we love slips around here. I don't have I do not have a slip for Grizzly because I this was this was this was given to me for media review purposes, right. so I did not so, get the slip. And maybe maybe this is a web exclusive slip? Might be. Not sure. Very likely. Uh if it is, then yeah, then they don't come with a slip on retail, but you know, you can get both of these with slips. Uh, Alligator was that first one that I remember seeing because I still don't own the Halloween 4Ks that they put out. Oh, yeah. But those are hard boxes. Yeah. And I thought Alligator was going to be the continuing trend of the hard boxes, but it is, well, in fact, a screen with those hard boxes is confusing because when they will do the product images, it'll have, it'll show like almost the top and it looks like it's solid and you'll go, oh, it's a hard box. But then it just comes and it's just a regular slip. Yeah, I think it, it's it's tricky, right? Because I think like my expectations versus what actually happened kind of caused me to ding alligator a little bit because I don't like the art of the slip at all, and I don't like that's that the it's, big ding. Yeah, like that's that's the big ding, and also yeah, like if once you have the the flip the flip side of the interior art is much better. I don't know why that like that to me is like that's your your go to the alligator and the sewers like you just kind of like just seeing the mouth a little bit. And yeah, like, art art direction aside though, this is pretty consistent with what Scream Factory does as they have newly commissioned I, you know artwork. What? I don't agree with that. You don't. And here's and here's why. Okay. Because if you look at all the 4Ks they've put out this year, Escape from New York, yeah, Craft, The Howling. Candyman. Wait, no, I thought they did a new it's, one for Craft. It's all the mm-hmm. original art for the slip. Oh. Candyman all is, of it. Candyman, Candyman and, and Craft are this both This is the original. only one. 
Maybe they're gonna, hearing our this complaints. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to throw this out there. This is the only 4K they put out this year that has new art on it. Mm. The only one. Okay. All the other 4Ks this year have had the original poster art. Interesting. And it's weird. Well, I know with the <laughs> the John Carpenter stuff, they have to. That's that's like in the document, like the the legal document, yeah. it, because for the 4Ks, because because I have no, it's just because the older ones it's didn't with have his it. catalog. It's it's a specification. The slips. Yes. Like weird. And also, Studio Canal's got a similar one, but I think they're kind of the ones that kind of did that. Anyway. Anyway, I'm uh, gonna say I think actually I'm I'm personally. For the the artwork for this stuff, I actually kind of give it to Grizzly. To be, I give it to Grizzly actually, as well. Yeah. I like this, like the slip for Grizzly. The only flaw, of course, is that this is the pre-updated slip technology uh, for Severin, <laughs> so it's a little it's a little too tight. As I as I yeah, as I've so been made aware, these are it's the pre, it's pre Cannibal Man. Cannibal Man was the turning point. Um, right. It's right before that, I think, and uh, Grizzly is. Yeah, so it's a little too tight, which is a bummer, but I like that it's just the bear and a matte black, and I think that both of the interior artwork options also are pretty yeah. pretty cool. They're they're really what you want. I think they're very effective. I actually would venture to say artwork, as is the case so often with movies that you would go and pick up to rent from the local mom and pop shop, better than the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, the thing with... Severin that I do um, respect a lot of the time is they are for the slips for the for the flips all that stuff like that slips and flips they uh, will look for original art from when it was released from whatever country or whatever like, right like, like it's it's very very rarely are they commissioning brand new art to put on it yeah um, which while it can you know brand new art can be good um, rare rarely a lot of the time rarely. it's bad <laughs> majority of so it. uh Unless you're Vinegar Syndrome. Even uh, then. Everybody. Even then, dude. <laughs> yeah, but, sometimes uh, even then. Yeah. Um, I think they have more hits than uh, misses. But, I but, will but agree with this that. Is all, this is all original art that is being you know used here, which I think is, is very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was just very into it. So, yeah, I would give that one to the Grizz. Uh, now, yeah. it's important for us, of course, to talk about the... Uh, the extras and this okay. i think also is this gonna is be gonna a slam be dunk for one side i think but there's good stuff on both here's the thing uh i i mean i think it's almost uh when you mention slam dunk i think i know where you're going with it but i feel like a lot of that might be the the quantity right um grizzly grizzly has a decent amount of special features you have steven thrower uh, Nightmare USA author talking about the whole career of William Girdler. So this is kind of a nice thing. Which that's that's the marquee feature here for sure. Yes, like because because it's not just this film. It's like a William Girdler biography that he's doing, and it's like almost an hour long. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot on there. What's really interesting about Girdler, which I mean, I actually didn't know a lot about him, but um, what I thought was so interesting was this this immediate thing where he was he was a rich kid there's a reason why he sort of had the 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 ability to do what he did i it's mind-blowing to me right like we live in this time where anybody can get a hold of a you know a 4k release and and watch it and you know like you you get away with that it doesn't cost that much money for all this stuff really if you think about it meanwhile in the 1960s the 1950s like that this was not a thing that existed. This man, Girdler, was so wealthy. He came from such money 
that they would just send the reel to reel to his house yeah. <laughs> and they'd throw it up on the wall. Nobody had that. No. That's unbelievable. But that's the reason why I think he was such a student of film, why he was such a lover of film, is because he had that kind of access, which just nobody has. So it, I think it sort of invited a real interest and a desire to make film. And, and yeah, just in general, like the whole entirety of this near hour long special feature about him is really interesting although i have to say my favorite stephen thrower thing is not even on that disc i wish i wish i wish i wish that um they also had the piece that's on day of the animals which is the um the other piece where stephen thrower is talking about the distributor for both those films which is edward l montero who we have got 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 to talk about we have to um but no like just because this is the thing to sort of understand which i think is interesting and will even kind of have a little bit of impact in a weird way on alligator when we get there um so montero was a producer and distributor for a lot of films um beyond the door he did um he did a bunch of other ones but beyond the door was sort of his starting place the thing to know about this man is that prior to better than the exorcist um wow what the fuck is going on with this episode (laughs) again your your phone number and address give it at some point before the episode ends so that people could take this up with you because i i do not co-sign on any of the shit that you're saying but um, the thing to know about this guy is that prior to doing Jaws ripoff movies, p- prior to making counterfeit Jaws movies, he was in <laughs> fact a counterfeiter IRL. That was his gig. He literally made fake money, but got in a bunch of trouble. And so he moved on to making um, uh, Jaws ripoff movies and, and kind of ripoff movies in general. Because, yeah, Beyond the Door is, a, is an exorcist ripoff movie. And there's some interesting kind of details of his life but most notoriously even though he's technically not listed as dead i don't think um he's he's vanished and depending on who you ask depends upon what happened there so like some people will say he didn't want to pay his 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 wife or his ex-wife whatever it is that he owed her and some people will say that uh the korean mob got a hold of him but like that man is gone uh, and what I found out that was kind of interesting, a buddy of mine was doing a Q&A with the director for another film that was produced by Montero, uh, Vigilante. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, would would you believe that um, both Girdler and the director on that film, who was even more famous, were not getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> Not getting their money because of this guy. All right. So, like, that was a thing that was really going on. And um, and Vigilante also stopped stars Bob Forster, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. Little, yeah. little connecting points there. So I wish, that's really the yeah. only negative that I have for Grizzly is that I wish this Montero um, piece had been on that disc because it's so interesting and it ties everything up in a bow in a way that I just didn't realize was there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Mon- Montero um, as a um, uh, producer is a really interesting kind of like side story of ex- exploitation cinema. I mean, anybody who produces The Visitor and he, I think he was an executive he sure did. producer he sure on did. like Don't Go in the House and 
you know, the Grim Reaper, I believe he had a hand in somehow, um, pieces. I think he was like uncredited was storied, or something man. like the that. The man did a, the man worked on a lot of stuff. He was involved in a lot of things for a guy that wasn't paying people. Yeah. Very, very interesting guy. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so Grizzly to, to, to be in brief, like there's, there's other good stuff on here. Like, I don't want to like. Oh yeah. I don't want to um, say that it's it's bad it's bad for biz. Like there's good stuff. I mean, like it's just that I would say a lot of there some of the the archival stuff, Jaws with Claws. Um, I don't know. I liked if, watching um, the vintage making of. That was just kind of cool. Yeah, that was good too. Maybe making the wilderness. That was a good yeah. one too. Um, yeah. so if you've never bought this movie before, um, that is on there and is certainly worth it. But yeah, and Joe McCall is it does in fact have um, <laughs> she does have an interview. Just kind of va- just just kind of vanished is is in fact in there. So <laughs> this interview, <laughs> but she knows. Yeah. She knows that I just, know, people. Hate I just questions. wanted to say that. Um, eventually, I would love people to say about me. He's not technically listed as dead. <laughs> like that's that's a goal I strive to meet. <laughs> but Gridler is one hundred percent dead. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, one hundred per easy. You know, I mean, his last work was 93 when he produced Dark Friday, apparently. I was just looking him up. Anyway. (laughs) Now, we have got to talk about Alligator. Now, this is the fucking one, man. I have the page pulled up for Screen Factory because everything that's listed on there is not... There's more than what's listed on the back of the Blu-ray, actually. So, I I think there is... Because of the way they, they do their features where they, they don't have everything confirmed once they start printing mm-hmm. the uh, packaging and everything. No, I, I think uh, this is where, in my opinion, Scream Factory just kills it as far as special features. I mean, there's... This is an, this is an incredible so, uh, release. So good. There's tons of stuff, and I want to start with the Brian Cranston thing because it's absolutely unbelievably right. cool. What a, Unfathomable, really. Like, like, <laughs> uh, like on what other release from what other boutique label could you truly say that someone of the caliber of Brian Cranston true uh, genuinely probably I mean I mean I think probably like I think generations from now when people look back and say who were the actors of of, of this time period he's going to be very much towards the top of the list he's just totally. so, feel, so yeah. incredible and the thing to know about him is that he was like an assistant to an assistant very early in his career, working on Alligator, and he wound up, he just wanted to do everything, anything that he could do, and the job kind of came up that he could be kind of wrangling the Alligator a little bit, putting like the guts in there for when they were going to blow it up. And so he sits down and has a really in-depth monologue, basically. It's it's lengthy, basically, yeah. But But you know what, that's great. He's Brian Cranston, here's the thing, like, it, Saying that, if it had been almost anybody else, that would be a negative. But Brian Cranston, really, it's like you ever listen to Tom Hanks weave a tale. He could yeah. be he could be reading the phone book, and he's just so entertaining. Cranston's the same kind of vibe, and yeah. he basically sits down and sort of really puts you in a time and place, and sort of gives you some interesting details about his career. If you're a fan of his, which is I think almost everybody on earth, and um. And in the end, what's cool is that, like, yeah, you find out about, like, how they did some of the gore effects because he was involved in them, which is really cool. But the 
thing I love most about that particular feature is the reason why he did it, which is that he just was so indebted to Bob Forster, who there's a whole story and you owe it to yourself just to watch it, but they basically had to drive from where they were to the set and they would get in like these vans and stuff. And even though Bob Forster's, you know, the star of the movie, there was a day where he just was like on the side of the road and like hitched one and they were totally packed and he happened to sit next to Brian Cranston and they had a long conversation where Bob Forster like had a vested interest in what Brian Cranston, who was nobody at all, was doing on the film, what he was doing with his life, where he wanted to be in five years, yada, yada. And if it hadn't have been for that moment, Brian Cranston might not have ended up being the person that he is today. And he ended up working with Bob Forster on Breaking Bad. And what's so funny is that, you know, he's, he's you know, we've met before and he tells Bob the story. And Bob's like, look, man, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't remember that at all. Here's the thing that's so amazing is that that's just how Bob Forster was, whether he was going to remember you or not. And he was not going to remember you. He still treated you like you were worthwhile and you could end up being somebody really worth a damn. He didn't know. For all he knew, you know, like, he, he, I think his his philosophy was there's you there is no such thing as an unimportant person, and that's noble and good and above all fucking rare. And it was just so cool to have Cranston come on and basically be like, the only reason I'm here is because I just want people to know about how great Bob Forster was to work with. I just it was just fucking phenomenal. It's there's a lot of other great stuff on this disc, but that just blew me away. I was I was just gonna say that once they announced it, it felt like the marquee extra to me, where it was like you know like I said the Stephen Thrower is the marquee thing on this one, but that once I, once I saw that was on here, I was like oh that's the that's the thing to order this for, like that's that's why you want to have the disc with the extras on it is because of this interview, right? Like just even the idea of it was like oh yeah this is it, and uh, yeah I think it's the fact that you know everybody and their mom probably knows Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad or Malcolm in the Middle, you know, but I, I think, you know, yeah. his Breaking Bad role has definitely cemented him into being one of the best actors of recent years, but just the fact that, like, you can break out a disc <laughs> to, like, your grandmother and be like, I have a movie, <laughs> Alligator. You know Brian Cranston worked on this? <laughs> Let me show you the special feature. You tease him with the special feature and... And maybe Grandma will be like, "All right, I'm ready. Let's see some alligators I'll eat watch some that people." Movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what I also love. It is is it's one of those special features that you know I, I don't want to say carries the disc, but also elevates the disc to be like this bigger thing than just a home entertainment copy of these movies. It's like, oh well, th- here's why I dislike streaming. You know, the, I, I physically own this thing that has a special feature that I can't see elsewhere except for this disc. And it's a great selling point for that special feature as well. It, it, it sells you on the movie. Like if that's the only thing you maybe you borrowed this from a friend and you're like, oh, well, let me just watch that special feature. I just kind of want to see it. Well, that should entice you to see the movie. And that's what. You know, I love about these special features. I I like it when they wax, like nostalgia and stuff like that. But I I really want to hear the impact of people 
on special features, what it did for their career, what it did for their life. That's the stuff I want to hear about. So it's really great to see something like that. And I think like a lot of people were just like, holy shit, you scored an interview. Well, it'll probably be like five minutes and it takes its time. That's the other best thing is like Brian Cranston's probably saying, hey, I got an hour. I'll talk about it all day. It's it's a great special feature. But um, yeah, uh, the other special features like the interview with Robin Riker and even the interview with Louis Teague, you kind of get some of his background. And, uh, you know, I mean, he came from the Corman school, which incidentally enough, I mean, John Sayles also wrote the screenplay for Piranha, which was a Corman yeah. job as well. <laughs> so it's like uh, it, it, it's cut classic. from the same cloth. And and I think Absolutely. in in that opinion, Grizzly, you know, was a film that was made for to capitalize off this hype of Jaws. Whereas Alligator, sure, it's kind of doing that, but it it's something else entirely. It's it's an ongoing tradition yeah. of these kind of Corman babies in a weird way. But no, there's a lot of really good special features, and like Diggin was saying, there's special features on this disc that are not listed on this disc. And, uh, you know, Karin Kusama, granted, that's something you can look up on YouTube or on, like, the Trailers from Hell channels if you have access to that. But I always like listening to Karin, who is also from St. Louis. Boom! I did it! Yeah. (laughs) Got it in there, the way I do with Jersey. Yeah. You got to do it, my man. You got to do it. Yeah, it's pretty cool to, to have her involved, especially since, once again, like, she's really kind of a name in the moment. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. like she just, you know, Yellow Jackets had had its first seasons that came out, but she is involved in, and that's a, what a great fucking television absolutely show. incredible <laughs> top tier. And like, yeah, so basically, the thing to know about Alligator is that like all these big name people, like names you can trust, right. all like Alligator, right? I do like that they uh, they carried over some of the other special features, like the audio commentary with Bob and Louis Teague. Um, yeah, that's that's a good con. It's pretty solid commentary. Um, the I, I think they had an archival interview of John Sales, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, there's something. They in have there. a new one. too. Oh, they do have a new one. That's right. That's right. OK, I was going to say I, I thought they had a new one. But um, yeah, no. And you get a couple of t- you get a teaser trailer and a theatrical trailer. Very nice. <laughs> Yeah, that's good stuff. By the, by the way, um, I it, it, you really owe it to yourself to try and track down like Bob Forster stuff. But I think one of the very last things he did, and it, I, I think I said on Apple Plus, they brought back this um, this series called Amazing Stories that I watched as a kid. Um, this great anthology series that like every episode was a new story, and like it was a lot of genre stuff, like some sci fi stuff, some horror stuff, some fantasy stuff. And they brought back amazing stories, and he came in, and I think he did one from whack when I was a kid too. And he he does an episode as um as a part of this new series that's like kind of a superhero sort of one, and it's very much it's just like the very tail end of his career. And if you're looking for something that maybe uh, you like Bob but you haven't seen of his, that I feel like is something that most people haven't seen. I would highly recommend it to you. It has nothing yeah. to do with Alligator, but while we're talking about old old yeah, Bobby Forrest, if I remember. If I remember correctly, that's like his last television stint. I think that might be the yeah. absolute last thing, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, Wolf of Snow Hollow is probably his last movie, too. Yeah. That, that, I, I like that movie a lot as well. Yeah. Um, and what I like is, you know, if you are a 
like a Bob Forster fan, these new interviews, a lot of it is their recollection of him, you know, like as an actor and as a person, like, which I, you know, it's, it's nice to, to see people talk about somebody in that way, you know, cause obviously this was, you know, all shot and, and worked on after he, he had already passed. So like, it's, it, it's a bummer to not get like a, like a, an end of life sort of Robert Forster long form interview. Right. Even if it's, like in the context of this film, but you know, like it's nice to see everybody come out and talk about. It feels like a memorial. How great he was, you know, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. very much so, yeah. very much so. Um, and yeah, if you're out there buying uh, 4Ks and Blu-rays and stuff for for the Bob Forrester of it all, uh, cannot emphasize enough that the uh, Blue Underground 4K release of Vigilante is top fucking notch. Anyway, uh, um, so this one also the other thing, uh, Grizzly is a one disc Blu-ray. This one, obviously, you get the 4K three, three on one disc and then two Blu-ray discs, so three discs all together. Um, the second disc has the bulk of everything we're talking about, the movie plus the interviews. But disc three has a Blu-ray television version, uh, the television version on Blu-ray. But what's interesting about this is when you hear television version, you always think of like the actual television version, 4x3, maybe not great quality. Yeah. They technically went in and found some of these snippets that are exclusive to the television version from the negative. Or, or no, 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 no. Yeah. The additional footage is from an interpositive. But I'll be honest yeah. with you, like on the blue on Blu-ray, I can only speak to the Blu-ray, but those extra scenes, I didn't really notice that much of a difference. Well, the nice thing about um, being able to work from the original negative right like that is that you have the ability, a point of comparison. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as long as you've got that, if if you've struck a new interpositive for that kind of stuff, I mean, man, you're, you're going to be able to do at least, like, you could do like a 90 95% job. You're going to yeah. get most of the way there, honestly. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, did anybody watch the television version? I did not. I have not gotten to it yet. Okay, so I I did, but I'll be honest with you, I, I might not catch them all, but there were a couple of different scenes. The the one in the very beginning, it's eight minutes long. Yeah, yeah. So there's a scene. There's like this weird, and I'm glad they cut it. Uh, to be honest with you, um, there's a weird like transition when before they drive into Missouri, right? And you get that establishing shot of Welcome to Missouri, the Show yeah. Me State. Um, they, they're driving a convertible and they left after picking up the alligator, but then it starts to rain. And so they pull over to the side of the road and the dad's trying to get the top up on the convertible and it's not working. It's jammed. So there's like maybe two minutes of setup with this. And he finally frustratingly like, I'll stop raining. Let's just go. And then the next shot is that establishing shot that we see in the theatrical version. So it really doesn't do anything for the plot. It's it's a very side thing. It's definitely what it was meant to be is just filler to kind of fill out, you know, what what gets yeah, cut. But the other thing is this is a hybrid um, based off of what I can tell because you do have some of the gore shots in there. Um, there's another scene with a kid uh kind of kind of cool and it echoes the pool scene in a weird way uh where this lady is doing laundry outside and she's hanging up stuff to dry and she's got a baby with her she puts this baby in the basket and essentially you do think the alligator gets it but it doesn't so 
There's a couple of scenes in here that like, and also (laughs) just the substitution of curse words. That's also in this version, but visually it's all, I mean, it all looks good. It doesn't, you would never know it's the television version unless you know it, you look at the back of the, the disc. Is it similar to the, the, the like integral cut on kind the, of, going the house yes. release where it's be, because you know that that is just basically everything the normal film with um with the inserts the TV scenes yeah. added in yeah as opposed to like replacing or taking things out it's just basically kind of the most complete cut but you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong because I still don't have that release um mm. do those scenes lose quality. No, I, okay. was, I don't believe okay. so. Because I watched that cut, and, and I, did, I didn't notice okay. any difference. Yeah, I didn't really, like I said before, I didn't notice a dip in quality on these. These look pretty seamless. Um, so kudos to Scream Factory if you had to work a little harder on those extra scenes. I, I think it blends very well. But um, it, I will say that Disc 3 kind of does also still kind of end up being an, a, a novelty in a weird way. Um you know, this different version, you, you don't get to hear Robert Forrester cuss. Not that he cusses all that much, but um, there are a couple of scenes that I think it plays very well. Uh, it's just, it's more for, you know, quote-unquote morbid curiosity, I guess. If you want to see more yeah. of what this movie is. Oh, this cuts longer. Well, more yeah. alligator. <laughs> more. I don't know if there's really that much more alligator though, but yeah, <laughs> um, I am appreciative of it because a lot of people uh, saw alligator on television. So I think that's kind of why they included it. Just like, Hey, we, we know you guys have wanted this. So here you go. And there was extra footage. And I guess if they were able to get it, from the inner positive versus like, Oh, Joe Schmo taped it off of NBC a long time ago. We'll ship the VHS tape for you. It's not like the Friday the 13th part two stuff. I mean like a fathom screen. Oh, <laughs> no, that's like 480. Oh, topical, got him. topical, <laughs> topical uh, comedy for you. Anyway, so I feel like we've kind of covered a lot of like what we found that was interesting on the extras. Yeah. Let's just wrap it up in a bow and say that if you're only going to buy one of these, it's pretty much a, an alligator slam dunk. I think so. I think so. Um, um, I, I think I alligator is the better yeah. movie. I think it's yeah. the better package overall. Uh, if yeah. if these things are the same price, yeah, I think you're getting more value with alligator. Yeah. The thing is, that, and I usually don't say this, like, I, I, generally speaking, I advocate to say, hey, I mean, it's worth it to buy everything we talk about. Um, I think there's stuff to enjoy about all things. Grizzly feels like it's interesting in the sense that it really is sort of the first movie to actually get out there. And it made money. Like, that's the other thing. To oh, know. yeah. Like, it made it made enough money that, um, you know, not only did they make Day of the Animals, but there's also that movie Grizzly too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, if I remember correctly, though, Grizzly was like the top independent film. Like the top grossing independent until, film until Halloween. Yeah. Two years later, though, it, so it reigned supreme yeah. for about two years. Oh, yeah, but I think that yeah, as a as a notable piece of history, you know, if that's your if that's your reason for owning, I would say sure, go for that. But like, I don't know, man. Like, if it's if it's Jaws type movies that you're you're after, I just think there's so many other ones that I'd be more likely to. 
to pick up personally, right? Like we talked about Piranha, like that's yeah. such a slam dunk, obvious movie. To f- and like if you're looking for something that's like a little weird and it has that like um, airport esque ca- cast of thousands, right. 1970s vibe. I would go personally for something like um, Tentacles, which also is a little bit of a European vibe to it, but like Shelley Winters is in that movie, yeah. and like I fucking love Shelley Winters. Like that's straight up aside an adventure bullshit, um, which is an outstanding film. And also, just in general, like I just feel like there's more going on in that movie. I don't know. Like I like Grizzly fine, but there's just a lot of other Jaws knockoffs, a lot of like, you know, a genre which I have decided it will now be referred to as Shark and Awe. <laughs> um, that I would be more likely to 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 pick up first. I like think that's that's just that's me being real. Very nice. All right. Well, the way I'll wrap it up is I'll say that, um, in my opinion, Alligator's the way to go because it's better than Jaws. Woof. And Grizzly is just as good as Jaws. So, like, there's an obvious. <laughs> Winner there. It's D- Alligator. Diggum, what is your legal name, telephone number, <laughs> and home address? And now so we know why we don't. Call, Andy, can call it's you Andy and- Treffenbach. <laughs> <laughs> He's in St. Louis. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now we know that Diggum only goes by Diggum on here because he knows he knows he's going to lay these ridiculous say- claims. <laughs> when, when, when you when you disappear Montero style, we all know why. <laughs> um, when 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 I'm not technically considered dead. dead. <laughs> so, um, two bits of business that we need to to cover. One is uh, what the next films we're going to be talking about will be, and and two, um, we're going to be doing a little bit of a giveaway. Yeah, let's go over do you the wanna, giveaway. Do you want let, let's 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 give it away, give it away, give it away now. Diggum, we're gonna let you run with this though. Okay, so um we have to give away a brand new sealed with slipcover, mind you. And we know that everybody loves slipcovers. Just a slip. Like, that's just, just a slip. That's just you know, just the slips. Um, but you actually get the slip and the film. So it's not just the slips, but um of the brand new Halfway to Black Friday release of Horror High and Stanley. Speaking uh, of and of Animals Attack. Of Animals Attack. That's which Stanley which absolutely is. Well, also in Horror High, there's there's a, a killer hamster in that. Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> like, yeah, so 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 you you got dual the animals animal attacks movies. Um and to be entered to win this uh what did we decide on? Retweet it. Yeah. So <laughs> if, cut yeah, this. <laughs> when you're on Twitter, uh, when you see the giveaway post on Twitter, you just retweet it and uh, give us a like. If you're on Instagram, when you see it, uh, just leave a comment, share it with your favorite animal attacks yes. movie. Let's get your favorite animal attacks movie. If you don't have one, you're totally new to this genre. I mean just Jaws, say Jaws Jaws is an option. <laughs> yeah. Just say Jaws. Just say Jaws. No, no, <laughs> what you really want to do? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give you the answer. You're, you 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 want to say Jaws 2 because of that that woman covering herself in gasoline and exploding. Yes. That's that's it. Yeah. That's what you want to put. Well, I like it. And then and then uh we'll we'll probably let it run for like a week and then the week after this episode drops um pick a winner and then i'll ship you this 
beautiful copy, this beautiful brand new Vinegar Center Blu-ray yeah. of Horror High and Stanley. Two movies for free. Um, the movie where a guy loves snakes. Ooh. Doesn't. For a long time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He sure does. My <laughs> God, does he love snakes. And also this He's so funny. And also this one lady, kind of. He doesn't really love her so much as he loves to treat her badly. It's so funny because William Griffay made Willard with snakes, but he also made Willard with sharks <laughs> as well, with Mako the Jaws of Death. Nice. nice. All right. Well, so the question... This will be a pun later. The question is, what are the next two films? And I believe it's my turn, isn't it? It is, in fact, yours. Wow, lots of questions. How about we do question movies? What? Mondo Macabro's Who Can Kill a Child? Already on it, so sick. And Arrow Video, their release of What Have You Done to Solange? So what you I think I might actually have that? One. We'll see. <laughs> what have you done to Solange? <laughs> is a giallo, and I like to watch as much gialli in July because I have a thing called gialli July or giallo July. July Nicely whatever done. Whatever you want to do. Um, but no, I, I kind of wanted to do. I thought about doing two giallos, but I didn't want to subject everybody to it. So I thought, well, what's a and I've had Mondo Macabro on my mind because I think they are a company that does a lot of great work and doesn't really get commended for it. So I'd like to take a look at their release of Who Can Kill a Child, which is this wonderful, spoiler, uh, wonderful <laughs> Spanish film that I, I really dig. And then uh, this crazy giallo called What Have You Done to Solange, which is the start of a trilogy. So... I just thought it was fun because they were both question movies. So I'm like, okay, we'll do that. So that is going to be... Fair, fair enough. Although I got to say, who could kill a child? I mean, anybody, really. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done, Solange? <laughs> I, I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> I, I, I gave her a Fig Newton and she said, thank you, I love Fig Newtons. The end. <laughs> there was a point in time when I was thinking of, like, what have you done, Solange, and um, Don't Torture a Duckling, but they're both arrows. Oh, so, man. And they're both... That that's I, not a question. <laughs> that I have. That one I have. They're, they're a right. little heavy. But anyway... Uh, that will be episode six of Battle of the Boutiques. Again, my name is Andy Treffenbach. I am one of your co-hosts. You might also know me as the guy that does Late Night Greenhouse and Horror Trivia Night and Destroy the Brain. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Treffy, T-R-I-E-F-Y. And guess what? That's my screen name for all accounts. So find me on Letterboxd. Find me on Instagram by that name. Lena. Yeah, my name is uh, Lena Morgan. You can find me uh, doing another podcast called Song vs. Song, where I compare two songs with my co-host, Todd in the Shadows. Uh, that's wherever you can get your podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Alina Is You. It's a, it's a pun off of Pro Wrestling, the NES title, um, because I'm old. <laughs> I'm uh, Diggum. You can find me on socials at Diggum13. Some asshole will not give me the regular Diggum. Uh, <laughs> Letterbox Diggum Band uh, at that band Lightweight on Instagram. I think it's Lightweight Band on Twitter. New EP coming soon. We haven't announced it yet, but it's it's, it's an exclusive here. <laughs> there you go. And, and very, very quickly, once again, where what is the Twitter handle for Destroy the Brand? So the 
Destroy the Brain Collective on Twitter is DTB Horror. And then on Instagram at Destroy the Brain. Again, you can find us on Facebook if you dare. Facebook.com slash Destroy the Brain. Obviously, I say if you dare because it's Facebook. Uh, but more importantly, you can find all of us in our Discord for Destroy the Brain. That's discord.destroythebrain.com. Tried to make it easy so you can join really quickly. All you have to do is type that in your web browser or uh, your phone, and you'll find us. We talk about Blu-rays. Yeah, in there. we talk about Blu-rays. We talk about all sorts of nonsense in there, um, and then. Join in on the conversation. If you live in St. Louis, you know, you might get uh, free tickets every once in a while. If you don't, then join yeah. Brian and be sad about it. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, so, yeah, we'll see you for episode six with uh, who can kill a child and what we've done with Solange. I don't know. All right. Goodbye. Bye.